Welcome to Coaches and Conversations, where we remove the veil and talk about what it's really like to be a woman building a business online. Because here, it's not just business, it's personal. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach and Business Strategist, Tavana Denise. Let's dive in. Oh, Sunny, I am so glad that we are one that you were willing to come on and talk about this topic that we're talking about today, because I maintain that my intention is for us to humanize those of us who are doing big things in our business, who seem to be bigger than life, that we're always putting ourselves out there and to normalize some of the things that we deal with while we build our business. And so I am really so freaking excited to dive into the topic of our discussion today. And before I even tell people what that is, I want you, Madam, please, to tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are in the online space. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sunny. My last name is Von Mutius. People see it and they always ask. I am an intuitive strategist. So what that means is I take my 20 plus years experience in business and strategy, and I combine it with my I don't know, 10, 15 years now experience in the spiritual sort of woo-woo light worker space as an intuitive. And I blend those together and I support people in incorporating and really integrating spirituality into how they plan their lives and their businesses, if that's appropriate. And I love it. I get to be authentically, fully self-expressed in every area of my life, including business. And it just feels so juicy. Oh my goodness. So... Was it always like that? Because I know we talk about being fully self-expressed and authentic and all of these things. And was it always like that for you? And if not, what was it like before? Hell no. It was not always like this. (laughs) Definitely not. Before, there's a lot of befores, right? We all have, like, for me, I look at my book, my life like a book, like there's all these chapters, right? Like, oh, that was the chapter of, that was the chapter, right? So there's lots of chapters. But the most dominant one from a career perspective is I had a whole career in corporate life. I worked for Fortune 50 companies and I was a consultant and traveled a lot and worked with good old boys. And I had to fake it till I make it was kind of my mantra throughout my whole corporate career. I never felt like I knew what I was doing. Every day I went to work going, I I hope I did this presentation right. I hope I got those numbers right. I hope that I didn't sound too weak and feminine in front of those good old boys today, right? Like every day. It felt like I was performing a role for a long time. And now I've really shifted that perspective. I now use faith it till you make it because I feel like that's so much more empowering. It's like I have faith in myself because I did not feel that way for the most of my corporate career. And I I was managing a team of of a large number of people, right? And I still was like, "Mm, I hope you all know more than me because I'm not sure I got this. (laughs) So no, absolutely was not always true. So what was, if you could like distill it down to maybe a few steps, if that's even possible, what was that process like going from that version to this version that's fully expressed, authentic, all of those things? And and what's on my mind is, do you still have those moments of, I don't got it today. I don't know. I hope I get this right. Oh yeah. I'll start there. Yes, absolutely. And now I feel like I have permission to just say that. Right. So I'm a new mom. I have a one year old, almost a one and a half year old. Right. So they're still like in that infant toddler stage. And I would say every day, multiple times a day, I look at that little human and go, I, what am I? I'm supposed to take care of you. What? 
right? So like, yes, all the time I have moments where I'm like, I'm just going to have faith that I was made for this. Even when I was pregnant, it was like, I'm going to have faith that my body knows what to do because this is very weird for me right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So faith that till you make it has shown up a lot for me all the time still. But as far as like transforming that, I think when people hear about a career trajectory, like I just described, they're looking for like the life hacks and like the, the silver bullet to like, what are the three steps I do to transform my career? And it's not about that. It had nothing to do with my career. It had everything to do with getting to know myself and knowing what I was good at, what I was, what I am confident in, what are my gifts, what are the things that I've adapted to be good at versus what are the things that are naturally comfortable and warm and fuzzy for me? And where am I willing to blend and bridge those two things together? So it's a lot of self-exploration, self-awareness work, and being willing to take risks in my case. Because when I retired from corporate, I was 32. And there was a lot of judgment around that and potential risk because I was really counting on the market to stay stable in my retirement to build the way they tell me it will. And Social Security to be there like they say it will. And you know, so there's a lot of trust and risk-taking too. Those are the two things that come to mind. I know you asked for a few steps, but those are the two things that come to mind yeah. is you know, self-awareness and being willing to step outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, that that is really feels like it's been the theme of these conversations that we've been having here. Stepping out of the comfort zone and then also trusting that we have our backs no matter what. And so I took a little bit of a detour in terms of what we were going to talk about, because in your intro, you said something that I just wanted to dive into. And since it's my show, you know, (laughs) as we do. (laughs) Exactly. But I really, really, you and I connected so deeply on uh, a, a topic that I thought was super important for us to discuss for those of us who are building businesses and oftentimes building them by ourselves. And that topic is depression. Like it is a big no-no to discuss in many of our ethnic backgrounds and cultures in general. And I haven't really heard it discussed much uh, amongst the entrepreneurial uh, community as well. And my background as healthcare, as a healthcare professional, it's really a no-no because you don't want that any mental health marker on your record, on your official record, you don't want a diagnosis because then you have to mark on every application. I've been diagnosed with thus and so forth. And so they assume that because you have this mental health diagnosis, that it will render you incapable of doing your job to the utmost of your ability. And so what I also see is that happening somewhat in the entrepreneurial space. It's like, don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask, don't tell, but so many people are suffering from it. And before you get into your story, I'll just be straight up and tell people like recently I went back to therapy. I absolutely love life coaching and what it can do. And there was a shit ton of life stuff coming at me at one time. And I was like, you know what? This load feels a little heavy to bear and I'm going to get some additional support with it. So. Can you tell us, like, if you have any thoughts about that or if you want to just tell your story a little bit? Yeah, we'll just play in conversation. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important to know and to hear that, like, strong, strong, independent, badass women go to therapy. You know, it's it's important for us to to share and to know and to normalize. So I appreciate you doing that for yourself and then holding space for others to have that conversation and hear that conversation as well, because I think it is critical 
Oh, I think and there's an life coaches go to therapy too. Right. I want to say that as well. And I think there's an important distinction there too, as a coach to know when it surpassed our area of expertise or our qualifications to be like, Hey friend, this is getting into mental, like true mental health. You should supplement our, it would behoove you to supplement our sessions with a therapist as well. Because I think sometimes people think they're going to go to a life coach instead of a therapist. And it is a both and oftentimes. So I think that's an important distinction too. Yeah. I have sent people to therapy. I'm like, Hey, let's just get a little, little bolster. Let's just get a little Mm -hmm. extra support. It doesn't have to be. And this is so interesting because we talk about this in coaching also is that people think it's an either and, or excuse me, an either or, but it's a both and it can be a both and, and just think about like the acceleration process that could happen if you just even had more support. Like what's this stigma against having support in all the forms, right? Let's get all the supports, all the supports as as much as you need to feel supported, right? Whatever form that comes in. I think it's really important. So my, my background is that I was diagnosed as bipolar in my preteens. I was 11. And I say that very, very specifically because I'm not to this day convinced that I was correctly diagnosed. I don't know that you can diagnose a a puberty ridden hormonal teenager as having an emotional swing like that. And this was also, this would have been in the early nineties. So Prozac had just come on the market and it was a very popular solution to things. So now as an adult reflecting on my state, I think I deal with severe depression. I don't have the symptoms. So bipolar, if you're not familiar, is a swinging of emotion. So you go from a deep depression and then you swing the pendulum over into what they call a manic, a hyper hypomanic state. I don't display a lot of symptoms of mania but man, do I deal with the depression. And so I choose to relate to my bipolar as a diagnosis I received, not necessarily something I have. It's a linguistic distinction, but it is supportive to me in my journey right now. And I very much have dealt with depression on and off for most of my childhood and adult life. There was periods where I didn't go to work, lost jobs, the most recent bout, I've been able to self-manage for a long time. And I'm grateful that I have that sort of um, high functioning is what it's sometimes referred to. The most recent bout was a few years back in 2018. And there was a few weeks there where I didn't get out of bed for several weeks. Um, when I did, I didn't do much. I kind of let my clients know I was you know, having a rough time of it and I was going to need some time. And I referred some to other people to be responsible because I knew their businesses would suffer without the momentum we'd started. And Um, I hadn't like, just like I use my last spoons, right. My last bit of energy to take care of my clients. And then I disappeared for a hot minute. And I think that especially as a business owner, it's really tricky. You can't call in sick, right. When I worked for corporate, I would use up all my sick time and sometimes have to have conversations with managers about working from home or, you know, having some flex hours because of my mental health. But as an entrepreneur, there's nobody to call and say, Hey, can you cover for me? Usually, right. We're on our own. so. How do we navigate that? Do we tell our clients what we're dealing with? Do we do we mask it, right? Do do we call other people and tell them what we're dealing with and ask for support? Like, how do you navigate that space when you're on your own and your livelihood is dependent on how you handle it? So there's that. <sighs> yeah. Because I, like you, have been a business owner where if I don't work, I don't get paid. If I don't get paid, I don't eat for a very long time, since 2007. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I I have not been diagnosed with this, but I realized that I had something called seasonal affective disorder, where Mm -hmm. 
in the winter months, I say it like this, this is not exactly what I mean, but I'm like, I'm no good. In the in the winter months, it's all I can do when I was still in the hospital was to get to work and do my little song and dance and then go home and go back to bed kind of things. And then you have things that you can do like the happy light and whatever. But to your point with that, I just had to show up as the contractor. But with this, it's like, you got to be the marketer. You got to be the salesperson. You got to be the, the coach. You got to be the admin person, even when you have a VA sometimes. Like, so... I think one of the biggest gifts one of my coach buddies said to me is like, hey, it's not a problem. You're not a problem. Even the the leaves fall off of the trees in the winter. It's their downtime. And that that gave me so much relief to just be like, you know what? <laughs> there just might be three months out of the year where I'm just not putting out as much as I used to. And that's okay. And so I think that's helped me a lot. And I haven't yet gotten to the place in my business where I have a team working with me. And so things continue to function, but I like plan for it. Like, okay, here's, let's, let's stock some money up and we'll just know, okay, if I need to be out, I'm going to be out. So how do you manage those periods of time for yourself? Well, I really appreciate what you're saying. Cause I think that for a lot of people, myself included, the seasons do have an impact. And this comes back to what we were talking about earlier with self-awareness, right? You have to have the, the inquiry about yourself to look and see, are there cycles? Are there trends to my, my mental health or to my experience of depression? And so I've become in the past five years, especially I actually just launched a whole program around this, which is seasonal alignment. The planet actually gives us a blueprint, right? Wintering is a thing. Winter is a time of hibernation, of incubation. If you think about it, whatever doesn't get harvested in the autumn by the farmers falls to the earth and mother earth takes that in and composts it and turns it into fertile soil for spring's growth. And we have the opportunity to do that metaphysically in our thought life if we plan accordingly, right? So as an entrepreneur, I don't do all of my annual planning around New Year's. I do my incubation, my soul searching. I do my pondering of what would feel good. I let myself have spaciousness in the winter and come spring, I hit the ground running. That's when I set all my goals. That's when I design my launch calendar. That's when I get all of my like action because spring is all about rebirth and all about moving forward, right? So I think there's a way in which if we notice the cycles and the trends, some people don't do well in summer. Some people like winter, believe it or not. I don't, I'm with you. So winter doesn't work well for me, but I have a client who loves snow, got married in the snow, adores winter. It is her jam. Oh Hates my gosh. Summers. I, listen. Doesn't I compute, like right? No, I don't. Cause I keep moving <laughs> further and further south. I'm from the DC area, moved to Atlanta. And now I'm in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, where the sun is shining all the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just leaning on you. And I went home to work on residency in February and I was miserable because then it snowed and it's like, right. see, this is what I'm talking about. That's why I live in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a Floridian. So I'm with you. I'm with you, but there are people for whom winter is their jam. So I think it's helpful to notice what your, what's yours, right? Where do you thrive? Where do you notice that you stagnate? And it it may or may not align to what I'm describing as the energy of the planet, but noticing that cycle for yourself, then you can work with it, right? So I've noticed that for myself, I tend to have a slump or for me, so I wrote, I, there's, I have an article published on Medium um, that I can give you a link to for your show notes about what my depression feels like. 
And I describe how my, my experience of depression is like, and for me, it's like the sunken place from the movie, get out by Jordan Peele, but it feels like I'm in a place where I can see everything. Like I'm watching a movie, but I can't move my body or say anything. Like my emotions, my emotional state has me frozen in place, but I can still fully process what's happening around me. I just can't participate in it. It's very debilitating, debilitating, doesn't feel good. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't feel good. Right. But I, I, I can feel it coming on. It feels like a fog is rolling in. And if I catch it and if I'm healthy and I'm taking care of my body and I'm doing all the things, right. I catch it. Then I can ward it off. I know what to do. I have a list for myself of things to do. I have videos recorded talking to myself, what to do. Girl, you can get yourself out of this. Do not let it take over your life. And sometimes that doesn't work. And I've noticed that that tends to come in. The fog tends to roll in after a big accomplishment, after a thing that I was working towards and really excited for and put a lot of energy into. And then when it's done, there's that moment of like celebration. And then now what? And the way my brain works is without something to work on, it goes into like the monkey start talking and the self-talk and like, did I really, should I celebrate? Did I do as good? And I start to doubt myself and it's all made up, right? Like my heart, my soul, my higher self knows that I am perfect all the time. And I always do my best because I am that kind of human. But the part of my brain that deals with depression starts to have that dialogue. And now that I know that that's my cycle, I take care of myself in that way, right? After a big accomplishment, I go on a silent retreat so that I can marinate on what I accomplished. Or after a big accomplishment, I will schedule to have a celebration party with some friends, right? Whatever I feel like I need in that moment. But knowing the cycle, ooh, that was super, super helpful. And it took a minute. It took a long time to figure that out. And it changes too. It's not like it's a one and done thing. Yeah, I can totally see what you're saying about the cycle and knowing the patterns. And you were saying your cycle of big accomplishment and then the sunken place and then mine of, Every time it's winter and it's a little bit darker, longer than I want it to be, I feel this certain way, but it it requires a person to be introspective and self-reflective and do it with curiosity and compassion rather than judgment and criticism. Absolutely. And there was something that you were saying about, oh, after a big accomplishment. So it's interesting. And I think I've talked about this before in a podcast where I had a very similar situation when I had my first six-figure launch. And then after it, I was utterly underwhelmed and severely depressed. Like, what the hell? Like, I was in my mind, at least the story I was telling myself was I was supposed to feel successful, secure, good enough, worthy, like all of those things. And I felt none of those things. And so two things come to mind that I now work on with my clients is what is that thing? Like if you have this big accomplishment you're after, what what will you allow yourself? Or what do you think you will allow yourself to feel in that moment once you've accomplished it? And let's practice that now. So there's not that big high and low crash. And then one of my uh, coach buddies said to me, what doesn't get celebrated doesn't get integrated. And so I love what you said about go have a party with your friends and things, because I think especially for those of us who are used to doing so much and being the the high achievers, it's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? And not like, damn, girl, you did a good job. I start most of my projects with a celebration. Like what's already working in our favor? Where are we already winning? Like, let's start with celebrating where we are now, and then we can talk about where we're going next. So I think celebrations are so, so important. And it, it for me, it also happens with non-business accomplishments too. 
I remember my first marriage after our wedding, the three weeks after we got home, I was like way down in blue. I wasn't displeased with my marriage. I was super happy to be married. Right. It was just that whole, like the stress and like the energy being put towards something. And then when that focus is taken away, my brain goes down. Right. And so I just got done with the celebration. What do I do then? Right. And I think that it's to a certain extent, there's formulas and then there's also therapy and in some cases, medication. I don't think there's any shame in taking medication. In my case, there's a chemical imbalance in my brain that happens. I, the more I get to know myself, I realize that it's related to hormones and adrenaline and their cycles. And I can actually, I'm pretty confident in my knowledge of my body at this point that I know the combination of different stimulus that are causing that perfect storm for depression to, to make its way in. And not everybody has got the time or the desire to be that self-aware to get to know their body that way. And even if you do, sometimes I still got to go back to the medication, right? So I just want to put voice to that too. If we're going to talk about mental health, that yeah. sometimes there is no formula. There's no magical steps you can do. Sometimes you just need help from science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no shame in, in any of it. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about in terms of support and what using all forms of support when you, when you feel like you need it, you know? So it makes me think about when you were talking about the perfect storm of the different things happening, we were talking about when heavy things happen in life and we, we are dealing with a lot. Like we put ourselves out there, we take risks, we take on a lot of responsibility. We're responsible for our, ourselves, our families, our businesses, our clients in some regards, and then other things in life come in. And so when you are dealing with the heavy things that life brings. Like, how do you manage that? Great question. And I don't mind sharing that I'm, I'm in the midst of that right now. So I, I shared, I have a one and a half year old. I have a, a close family member in hospice. I'm in the process of buying and selling a home. I run my business and two others. My partner is also a full-time entrepreneur. So, you know, we got a lot of heavy stuff happening all at once. And I think it's, to an extent, it's different for everyone, which I know sounds a little like a cop-out, but I think it depends on how you do things, right? Some people, I think it's really important to find those moments of quiet, especially for introverts, right? Make sure that you hold as sacred alone time. My partner is that way. So right now we're dealing with their family members, the one in hospice. And so we're dealing with making sure that they take several breaks throughout the day where they go sit outside by themselves for at least 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got to go recharge my love, right? And they know that. And that's my support for them, right? That's the agreement we have. For me, it's making sure that I still, I'm extroverted. So for me, it's making sure that I still have moments of dance parties and talking to friends and moments like this, where I connect with somebody that I care about, right? And for us, it's been really helpful to have calendars, which I know is really basic and not every entrepreneur has in place, but like we have calendars that we live and die by. So putting hospital visit here, nanny comes in here, parents, you know, my grandparents are going to take care of the baby here. And we're going to make sure we got, you know, I get business time here. You get business time tomorrow. Can your clients accommodate that? No one client can't let's right. It's that whole conversation of how do we fit the puzzle together? And I think when you're up to big things, having a calendar system is really important generally speaking, but it makes it so much easier in my experience to then flow and roll and be agile when heavy things come in on top of it. Because then we're able to just put the calendar in front of us and say, what can go? 
Just this morning, I canceled two client appointments to go to the hospital and see our family member. But I was able to look at my calendar and say, these clients are good. They're long-term clients. We're connected enough that they will understand. They will be very flexible, right? And I knew very easily what I could move. So I think Mm -hmm. that's been really helpful too, because we have all the puzzle pieces in front of us. So when heavy things come in and we feel like we need to shift the puzzle pieces, we know what we've got to deal with. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really important point about the calendar because some entrepreneurs resist the calendar. They're like, I just got free. I'm not going to be. And I think there's a lot of, for some people, this is not a a blanket statement. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. freedom in the structure. So in those moments where like, I can't think straight, I can't, it's like, I, the, the statement is I can't period. It's like, all I have to do is look on the calendar. Okay. We got a call. I can do a call. It would be something different if I had to think about what to do and then do it. Uh Uh-uh, no. And so sometimes it has been very helpful for me as both the CEO, the manager, and the employee (laughs) of my business to say, this is what we're doing today, Tavana. Yep. Just get these three things done. That's it. I feel like it's a case where our past self is taking care of our future self, right? Mm. So like by, and my partner and I, because we have so much going on, we do this weekly, monthly, and quarterly is we'll look at the calendar for that far out and just make sure everything is set and ticked and tied, especially because we have a child to take care of. But we look at it as giving our future selves a gift because when heavy things come in, like this family member being ill, all of a sudden that wasn't in the calendar. We didn't have hospital visits in the calendar and we need to add them. But our past self took care of our current self by making it all really easy right? We just look at the calendar, go, what can give, what can't, when can we go? And we make it happen. And it, in, in some cases, it's been a matter of my partner saying, Hey, I've got to go do this today. Can you call these three clients for me? Their names and numbers are in my contacts. Can you let them know what I'm dealing with? And it mm-hmm. makes it just like, yes, babe, you go. I got you because our mm-hmm. past selves took care of our future selves and it's all documented and available for us to do that. How did you start getting into the practice of your past self, taking care of your future self in that way? Because I, I wonder, was that innate for you or was that something that you had to practice at? That's a really good question. I think that part of it is the learned skills that came from my corporate career. I was a project manager in technology. And so naturally, I'm a very creative sort of like, don't, I'm a Leo, don't cage me in, let my lioness out. And for 20 years, I learned this adapted way of being of project managing. And as the project manager, my job is to see 10 steps ahead and make sure we have the resources, time, and budget to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to a certain extent, it's become sort of a natural subconscious way of being for me to project manage life when Mm -hmm. appropriate. And I've had plenty of situations in my life where I found myself realizing kind of kicking myself a little bit because hindsight's always 2020, right? So I look back and man, like I could have avoided this whole thing. I could have avoided this whole thing. I could have had this be so much less stressful for me if I had done those three things back there. Right. And so having enough of those experiences where I'm like, okay, now that I have hindsight, I see how I could have handled this differently. Let me learn that lesson and not do it that way next time. Let me, let me integrate that for next time. Gotcha. So is there, before I ask you my final question, is there anything that you can think of that we haven't covered on this topic? I think the only thing I can think of to add in is 
the awareness that mental health oftentimes includes neurodivergency, right? Mm -hmm. So they're two different topics. And I think a lot of times we, we don't talk about either of them and the lack of conversation about neurodivergency brings mental health issues to the surface, Mm -hmm. right? So the lack of freedom to be open and deal with your ADHD symptoms, for example, and feeling like you have to mask all the time and hide it then leads to feelings of isolation, loneliness, and eventually depression. So I just, I guess, kind of want to put voice to the fact that all of it, none of it needs shame. I am of the opinion that all of it could be and should be demystified and that there's space for all of it in the entrepreneurial community. Um, And the more we talk about it and support each other and offer those support systems, the less it has to become isolating. So just to put voice to that, it's the only thing. I yeah, it's, it's interesting. I heard someone say one time before in terms of neurodivergence, ADHD and the like, where there were certain communities where they would use those as strengths. For example, mm-hmm. if that person was like that, they would ask that person that might be up at the crack of dawn, you are the berry collector go find all of the berries because that their brain wanted to be up at that time. They wanted mm-hmm. to be like, it, it helped them to focus, to be looking for something specifically. And so I think really to your point is we need to give voice to it. There's a place for all of it. And I think, again, if we can start looking at ourselves with curiosity and compassion and see like, where is the gift in this? Where is the blessing in this? How do I use this to my advantage? Then we could be able to do so much more and stop burning energy on hiding stuff and assimilating and thus and so forth. And to your point, well, first, I just want to make sure I was very clear that I'm not equating neurodivergency with mental health issues. Those are two separate conversations. Mm -hmm. And to your point, I think that the more we talk about our mental health, the more we can look at where is it a gift and how can we support each other? So like me having dealt with depression, I can have true empathy for my clients. And so I end up dealing with a lot of people who deal with depression as well, because I can truly relate to that experience. And I have found a couple of other entrepreneurs that deal with the same sort of cycle of depression that I do. And we know each other's triggers and we know each other's buzzwords. And so I can call up a couple of friends and be like, guys, the clouds are coming in. SOS, please. And they will rally and send me little things. They'll send me something from Amazon that they know will make me smile. They'll send me silly videos, right? Like the little things that they know will buoy me just enough to keep the clouds away. So I think there's ways that we can support each other without it being some very complicated endeavor. So beautiful. Thank you for that. And yeah. so before the the ultimate question, where can the people find you, follow you, tap into your wisdom? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. And um, the best way is my website, Wildflower Strategy. Dot com. From there, you can find me on all the socials. I even joined the TikTok not too long ago. I'm playing in that space. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I will see how long I last. I feel, I definitely feel like I'm on the elder side of TikTok because it's so young, but it's, it's been fun for now. So I'm on all the social medias and all that. Um, and I do teach online classes and whatnot. And all of that is pretty much my, my website's the hub. So it's wildflowerstrategy.com. Awesome sauce. Okay. So if you could give one piece of advice to younger Sunny, what would you tell her? I love that question. I'm just going to take a second here because I want to answer from today's version. You are so much stronger than you know. Mm. You are so much stronger than you know. You're beautiful. 
I think when we're young, we think we've got to have it all figured out and we're supposed to have all the answers. And I'm still fairly young. I'm only 40, right? So yeah, you are so much stronger than you know. Yeah, so cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and for being willing to take on this topic with me. And I love you so much. I will talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, join our private community at tavanadenise.com forward slash join. This is your place to get real, get honest, and share what's on your mind and heart as a woman building a business online. I can't wait to meet you on the inside. 